I have these friends, Dan and Sheila. I actually they're podcast hosts. Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. And I'm Dr. Redmond. And we are back for the final episode of season one of Touching Evil, the weirdly named Deadly Web. Oof. You know what? It was the 1990s. They were still trying to figure the internet out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is really funny. Yeah. When you think about the internet, that's the funniest thing when you watch these early shows, right? Mm -hmm. Back when the so websites is, existed, huh? Yeah, there is an internet, but there is no interface. There's no hub. Well, there's no hub to get everyone to everything quickly. You have to manually type in web addresses to get places. Oh, yes. I mean, I still remember yeah. uh, all of that time. All the bookmarks you needed, like, back uh, in the, the day. And, you know. Before it was all killed by Facebook. Before Facebook destroyed the internet. Uh, uh, meta, meta, meta. Oh, I sorry. Mean, that, no, it's, it's still the website. It's not the company that destroyed the internet. It no. is the website. They didn't change the name of the website to Meta. No, that's they'd true. have to be idiots. Yeah, well, the company, I mean, it, you, you know, that Beaverton thing, that I, I shared it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Stuck it in my feed. <laughs> I get it. It was so funny, you know. Oh, totally. But, uh, yeah, it's so... Basically, we start with a horse being attacked somewhere in England, right? Yeah. And then we cut to a Japanese kid confessing to attacking a horse in Japan. Yeah. And then, boom, it's off to the organized and serial crimes team. And we find out that, shockingly, right, these have been happening all over the world. Well, three countries. Yeah, but it's like literally spanning the globe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spanning the globe. And then two in America, three in England, one in Japan. And they've only caught the Japanese guy who immediately confessed that he was doing it for a mafia. A mafia? However it said. A mafia? A mafia? Yeah, well, I, I'll look it up. I mean, it'll come up. Uh, but yes. All uh, right, he was doing it for her. Essentially, she told him what to do and he did it, is the message we're given. But uh, what I liked is that uh, I was about to say Tony Hill. Oh, my God. <laughs> so bad, right? Yeah, uh, I've already put that in the... Yeah, it's... The it's that we're having a hard time not calling him Tony Hill yeah. and not the root. I know, it's terrible. Uh, but anyway, but three of them, while two of them in, were in different states in America and one is in Japan, the three are in England are all within 40 miles of each other. It's a Mathis. A, ma a Mathis or a Malthus, right? Uh, three of them are in the same, like within 40 miles of each other. And he's like, so definitely these three were all people who know each other. Mm-hmm. So they go, we see them working with their tech person to look into it, right? And uh, to look into it. And while they're looking into the website, uh-oh, uh, Jonathan has to run off because his kid is getting born. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, 
Right? The other guy, Mark? I, don't, I never remember the other guy's name. Right? Uh, Dave confronts him about going to Burgess, the guy they drove to suicide's funeral. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and Mark, if that's his name, we'll try to remember, says that he felt guilty about what it, it is. I think his name is Mark. But anyway, he says that he felt guilty about what they did to the janitor, which he should. They drove him to suicide. Yeah. He absolutely should. Yeah. Oh my God. So then we uh we cut to one of the uh one of the stabbers, the horse stabbers, who gets a letter full of cash. And then rather strangely, and it's like I did not remember why he was doing this. I remember the basic plot of this episode, but it's like he gets the letter that has um cash in it and he takes the cash out, but then he carefully peels off the sticker the address sticker on the envelope. And I'm like, what the hell is that? And I didn't remember what it was. Yeah, I know. It was it was a nice surprise. Like it actually, it, it makes perfect sense within the episode and it is a memorable image to watch someone do because it's such a bizarre thing to do, right? Yeah. All right. So then we check in with the uh, killers all at university together or secondary. It's not secondary school. Like, I don't know what this is. Uh, I don't know what sixth form is. Like, they use these well, British terms for things. Well, I, th I think sixth, sixth form is their last year of high school. Okay, there you go. Maybe. Um, okay. You know. I mean, no, that sounds right, given the age of the people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then we cut to, we see three of the kids together, and obviously these are the stabbers. And then we see a fourth kid who doesn't want to go to school today. And that's yeah. key. Right? Uh, then they find the Amathus website. Right? They find the Amathus website, which asks people to do tasks in exchange for money. Mm -hmm. And they're like, okay, so this, and so right away they know basically exactly what's going on. Someone has created an, uh, someone is recruiting a cult online. Again, say this about the show. It's not waiting around. <laughs> no. It's not no, messing no. around. It's not waiting. And it does fill up its time. It so does. Absolutely. It, it, there, are no, there are no moments where you go, oh, this is filler. Oh, no, not at all. And Never. then they immediately find the address of the person who owns the website. Right. Like and the, they think, OK, well, we got him, you know, job done. We're out of here. We've got yeah. the name of the guy who's got it. Uh, then we go to uh, then we check in with the killers who are all luxuriating in the fact that they pulled it off. And they all share the fact that they collected uh, blood from the horses they stabbed and they all share them with each other. Right. Including the fourth kid who was nervous. And yeah. then they start eating the pieces of the envelope, the sticker, and you're like, oh, it's LSD. He's put yeah. LSD on the, st it's an LSD stamp. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, that's what you do with cults. You give them, you know, weird psychological experiences that they can't have anywhere else, and they become addicted to you. You know, like, it's an interesting idea. Oh, I, yes, it was an interesting idea. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, maybe it's the mood I'm in. Right? <laughs> I'm going, I'm not sh 
You have no patience for it? It's almost as if, yes, I almost have no patience for how Yeah. These because the children these these well they're in grade twelve and thirteen so yeah. they're seventeen and eighteen sixth yeah. form is the last two years. Okay, so yeah, they're all at the end of high school. There you go. They're yeah, they're all at the end of the high school, which makes sense, you know. And then there are the four of them, and then they're they have their bully. I mean, their leader, the bully. Yeah. And you know, I'm just, I it it bothers. I guess. It's just bothering me. Yeah. I can't say specific. Like, I, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just that I'm not sure whether the mood I'm in when I watched it and even now talking about it, it was like I wanted to put it out of my mind. Anyway, it is very distasteful. Yeah, it is. These relationships are very, very Distasteful and unpleasant. And unpleasant. And this bully, you know, this, and somehow or another, like I'm going, how the hell is he charismatic? I know. But he, found, he found these three people and he brought them into the cult with him. Yeah. You know? Um, well, so, I think the idea is with people, I, I think what it comes down to is because he is projecting confidence. Like that is what all of these outcasts are lacking in their own lives. And I mean, that's what you're, you're honestly, the biggest thing you need to be a successful cult leader is the ability to project confidence. Like, you yeah. know what you're talking about. And yeah. it's very easy to get people to, to fall in line behind you. If you, you know, just sound like, you know what you're talking about, or just honestly with a straight face, even just claim, you know what you're talking about. And my proof of that is, Donald Trump was the president of the United States, despite having no skills of any kind other than confidently saying he knows what he's talking about. No matter how many times it's proven that he doesn't, he always confidently says it and people get taken in by that patina of confidence. And that's what cult leaders have. Okay. Yes. That patina of confidence, you know, yeah. and I guess maybe this is interwoven with putting together this proposal in this book. Yeah. And I think it's woven in because when you're reading it, I mean, it's just a damn cult mm -hmm. in, in, the, in the negative terms that we use for cults. Yeah. Stop talking about these small little groups of people or people here and there. It's what I always said about Koresh and what I, you know, and some of these people, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, and I, as much as I hate the children of God yeah. and Father Berg, you know, it's, I mean, I, I'm stuck with dealing with this, you know, at least this cult is outside of the western norm cult okay yeah, at least people know to object to these guys you know but i i'm looking i'm reading this stuff right and it just yeah somehow or another, i'm watching this i'm watching this and i'm just going 
yeah, the bully. The leader of the cult is always the bully. Yeah, that's just a fact. And, you know, and it is, oh God, the ideas that are coming to my mind, you know, and I'm just going, what don't we know? And what didn't matter in the ancient Near East? Yeah. Um, but we'll talk about that because that takes us way, way far away. <laughs> way afield of what we're talking about way today. Way from Amathus. Yeah. Because this is, I mean, this is... No, but it's an accurate depiction of cult dynamics. Oh, oh, for sure. You know, first of all, there's somebody who's running this cult. Yeah. And then... within, and then, But there is, there's yeah. like the guys who are, you know, spread all over the world. And then there's yeah. one guy who has chosen to, like an MLM, create his own mini cult under the yeah. Amathus banner. Yeah. You know, know he, he's created yeah. his own subcult, essentially. Yes. Uh, to dire consequences. Well, for... yeah, for everybody. Because he wants to belong, but he also wants to be in control. Whereas the other guys, the rest of the world, are all followers. This is a guy, this is the kind of guy who, you know, David Koresh style, you know, comes in and takes over a cult. Yeah. You know, and that's absolutely like who would who would one day had this been allowed to continue, start making up his own rules and start deciding he should be in charge. Again, that's literally what David that's Koresh Jesus. did. Like no, there was yeah. this cult and David Koresh came in and kind of like took over the cult. Yeah, took it over and turned made it, it crazier and worse. Yeah. And in some ways, um that's a little bit different than uh Jim. Jones. Jim Jones, yeah. Yeah, because he was just a pastor, but... He was just a pastor. Who might have been doing... I mean, I'm not saying he was doing mind control experiments for the CIA, but I'm not not saying that either. I'm just <laughs> saying, there's a slight chance that man was doing mind control experiments with the CIA. Because it's like, I just want to remind everybody that when when they found out in... They found out about MK Ultra, right? Like when the government found out that the CIA had been doing this, the guy in charge of MK Ultra immediately burned 80% of the files. So we <laughs> only have the tiniest idea, the shady stuff they were doing with their ridiculous mind control experiments. And the stuff they were doing was like just randomly dosing the entire city of San Francisco. <laughs> with diseases to check that out and just walking down the street and giving people LSD to see what happened. So yeah, I'm just saying it's within the realm of possibility that the CIA started some cults. That's all I'm saying. Well, if, if look, I, given the state of the world today, I'm going yeah, well, I'm never going to rule anything like that out. This is what I always tell All people. Right. When I, some, I mean, some things are just stupid. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Some things are just stupid. And then some things have just that grain of truth in them. Yeah, we are like, oh, I, I don't, not completely yeah. comfortable dismissing this out of hand. Yeah, I'm not completely comfortable. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, so they tracked that while Dave and Ruth that we are going to like, we, we know he's Dave Cregan. We're going to keep calling her Ruth. I'm just yeah. sorry. Like, I guess I should go on. I, I check never, out I, her name at some point, but anyway, uh, but go to I, check I, I, out. 
up here. So yeah, go to check out the guy who. Uh... Well, her name is Susan. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Check out uh, more information because see, nobody seems to look at the house. So while Mark and Jonathan are breaking into the house and looking around, they want to check. Well, who's renting it? And what is the or like? Where's the money coming from? They want to do the backtrace so they can locate who this Jay Stoker actually is. Yes. And while they're doing that, they find out that a worm has been left in the computers of the rental agency. So if anyone looks into him, it shuts down all the computers. This lets Dave know that obviously this is going to be some kind of a trap because it was so easy to find. The guy's yep. dress was so easy to find. So he tries to warn them, but it's too late. And one of the patrol officers gets blown up by a booby trap. Yeah, was, that was, I do that just. Was, that was a surprise. Really well done. Yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely a surprise as they're going around. And of course, it's, it's the other guy. Is that, is he, he called Jonathan? Uh, Jonathan's the dark haired one and Mark is the redheaded. Yeah. So Jonathan. Yeah. Is not functioning well and he doesn't, he doesn't seem to connect with what he's being told and doesn't yeah. get that, that, that beat cop. He doesn't even get to the beat cop to tell the beat cop in in time enough exactly like he doesn't What's seem to connect like, with what dave has told him yeah Dave's like there was time to save this guy but he didn't react quickly enough to what dave yeah. told him yeah he's there's something seriously seriously wrong and we will find out this episode yeah yeah because remember this is like the day after his wife had the kid he ran off the night before to go to the birth so it's like this is the How next is day work? he's back at work and nobody wants him to be back at work. Nope. Why aren't you with your wife and your baby? Yep. And oh, they're well, fine. Again, we're going to find out. Yeah, we'll find out why. Uh, never mind. This is a downer of an episode. This is, I mean, all of the episodes are downers. But like, this is a real downer. If this show has a brand, and I honestly, I'm going to suspect that when we get to the final analysis, the unrelenting bleakness of this show might be one of the reasons it didn't continue. Oh, I uh, because yeah. like the thing is, Luther is also unrelentingly bleak, but it has a larger than life giant celebrity with that level of charisma at the center of it to keep you coming back. It's, it and was, I'm not saying it's not a pleasure to watch uh, Robson Green. I'm just saying he's not Idris Elba. He's not. Nobody's Idris Elba. <laughs> nobody's Idris Elba. You know. I think when I. Have I ever told the story of watching Medea? I went with a girlfriend of mine to see um, the national, he was uh, the national, it was a national theater. Yeah. British production. Of Medea. And we get to see them in the galaxy cinemas every now and then. Oh yeah. You know, I've and seen we those. have to pay 25 bucks to see it. Yeah, of course. Um, anyway, so we watched Medea and my biggest complaint after Medea, after we finished seeing it, like there were some like I like because River from Doctor Who. Oh, nice. Um, Alex Kingston played Medea, I think, or no, she played Lady Macbeth. Who played Medea? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, anyway, and I then I said, I said no. I said you cannot believe that this man is Jason. No. You cannot <laughs> believe that all these women are 
falling all over him and that and that Medea has so is so in love with him she's going to and she is so betrayed that she is going to kill her children and everything for this man <laughs> oh, for this no. and i and she says well i don't know who do you think could have played it better and i said idris elba in a second idris elba a second you would understand everything this obsession yeah if her obsession, if it was Idris Elba, yeah. all you have to do is look at him. And then she didn't know who he was. Oh, no. <laughs> so I showed her a picture and she said, oh. Oh, okay. I get it. I get it now. This is why he would make a perfect James Bond, but he doesn't want to do it. Well, I think the issue bigger than not wanting to do it is, I think he's too old. Like yeah. 10 years ago, 100%. But it's like, this isn't, you know... Roger Moore again. You don't want a new James Bond coming in already 52 years old. Like, you don't want to start a new James Bond franchise with a 52-year-old James Bond. It just doesn't make sense. Well, I don't know if it's Idris Elba. He might be able to pull it off, even <laughs> at 50. I mean, it is Idris Elba. You're right. <laughs> but it's like, I, I just don't think anybody wants an old Bond, is what I'm saying. Well, yeah, I know, but geez. I, I know, I, it sucks that he missed his chance. Because, you know, they kept doing those terrible Daniel Craig movies. Yes. And yes. And the same thing with Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. Except he did miss his chance and he gave us a couple of amazing James Bond movies. Yes. Later on. Yeah, he did. He made like that for God. But if he had been doing it that whole time. Wow. Wow. The James Bond movies we could have had. But anyway, back to this. Uh, so we see the well, leader I don't of, like this I know, I know, we, we are obliged to do it. So we see the leader of the mini cult, right, going to the computer lab at school to chat, because yep. again, this is the 1990s and is poor. He doesn't have a computer at home. Nope. You know, They're like all... he's got to do all of this through school. And they don't have to put in a password or anything. Nope. You know, so it's, it's. Yeah, it's the old days. Remember the old days of the Commodores? Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is what it reminds you of. It's kind a little of, yeah. These weren't Amigas. They yeah. weren't good enough to be Amigas, but, you know. So what's interesting, though, is they... And by the way, I just want to give a note, like, to the people doing Prime Video, right? I would say in... I'm, I, I always watch everything with the subtitles on. I don't know why I got into that habit. Right. But I do. The subtitles are always on when I'm watching something. And I don't have any trouble understanding these people's accents because nobody has a thick accent on this show. Like not yeah. one character has a thick. I mean, I know there are people who just can't do British accents at all. But I think you would agree with me that nobody on this show has like a thick or regional accent. Right. Is that fair? Well, not particularly. They are, they are all speaking with reasonably high British accent fluency. Yeah, exactly. Right. But as I'm watching the show, as I'm watching the, the subtitles, every now and then there'll be something they just wrote wrong. Yeah. Because they misheard it or it'll just say inaudible. And I'm like, it's not inaudible. I heard exactly what they said. Um, and I'm yeah. like, is it, is it the, the computer they're using to auto generate these can't handle it, British accents? Well, if that's the case, yes, that's a serious problem. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Like, because they are. They are in inept subtitles. Yes, and I, I would think, well, they're probably, they're training their AI to do subtitles, and the <laughs> AI is American, 
and, probably yeah and and only learns american english probably can do um kentucky <laughs> fine yeah i can't do uh british accents partly because there are variations enough variations what I would say is that we've watched so much British television and being Canadian, this gives us an advantage. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we always had British television. When Global started, yeah. for heaven's sakes, our big flagship Global now, right? Yeah. Uh, when Global started, they just had British television shows on because they were cheap enough. Oh, God, they- I'm blank on the name. What was the, what was the show you watched that you loved so much? You know, Edward Woodward. Oh, my God. Uh, the Edward Woodward one. Oh, 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 oh. I'll remember. Um, with the light, he was a yeah, spy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a spy. Magnum for Schneider. What the hell was it called? Light yeah. going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, um, it was a show where he played a dirty tricks guy for MI5. Yeah. And it, it's, by the way, just a masterpiece show. We may talk about it later. Uh, fun fact. Um when they created the show Equalizer, it was supposed to be one of the guys from Sandbaggers. And it was supposed to be a continuation of that guy, which was another show about MI5, you know, murderers. Yeah. Uh, that guy had quit and they were going to essentially make it a follow-up. But that actor didn't want to do an American TV show. So they got Edward Woodward and it kind of became a sequel to this show. Although not really because... The world of spies and sandbaggers is very much, you know, like high, not high class people, but like plenty of resources, plenty of travel, plenty of thing. Whereas it's like the show Edward Woodward was on was like the most low rent depiction of spies you've ever seen in your life. Like it is literally a guy who lives in a small flat and he goes to this nondescript building to the basement to see his spy master, who's the only person from the government he ever talks to. And then he goes out and he spies on or shoots somebody for the government. And then he goes back to his poor flat. And like It's called Callan. Callan, thank you. Oh my yes, God, Callan. Again, one of, one of my favorite spy shows ever, just because of how bleak it depicts spying as being. Yeah. Well, like, you know, you think follows... you've seen Bleak from the world of John Le Carre. You don't know Bleak yes. until you watch Callan. Yes, this is even worse than The Spy Who Came In From the Cold. It is. It is a lower rent version of The Spy Who Came In From the Cold. Yes. Very like, much. Literally, like he has to recruit his own agents. And so he's got this pathetic, you know, degenerate criminal who can be working blackmailed into working for him. It's. Oh yeah, Callan and it, but it is, it's it's almost like it's a black box show, you know. Oh yeah, totally. So, like so few sets, so few characters, so stripped down. It is the most spare spy thing, and it's just it's it's a magnificent show, and it's one of those shows that made the transition from black and white to color. Yeah, not a lot of shows successfully made that transition, but Callan did. Anyway, Edward Woodward's, uh, it's it's an amazing performance and it gives you a lot of color to the equalizer. All right, so uh, they have figured out that people uh, going to the Amethyst website were doing it from the school. So they have to talk to basically every student. And Susan, see, I'm using the correct name, says, can we not just do the um, uh, the people who don't have a computer at home? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and, and and about see, I almost flipped it up. And Dave's like, no, like 
these guys might be smart enough to know that this is traceable. So we're going to have to talk to everybody. So you get this, like, <laughs> it must have been a bitch to shoot. Like 400 extras all sitting at desks in a gymnasium <laughs> being interviewed by, you know, hundreds of cops. Like the scale of this scene is just incredible. It reminded me of my high school days when we did our final exams. Yeah. It was always in the gym and the gym was set up with all those desks. Yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> just, yes, that's exactly. And they're talking to them and some of them are just like, say what? <laughs> but they do pick up because one of the guys is a little antsy. Yeah. Uh, we're going to find out why he's so antsy later on. Mm -hmm. And we've already had a clue, but we don't know that we've had a clue. And it, yeah, so we see that uh, Alex, uh, oh my God, see now I'm doing it again. Dave. We see that Dave talks to the cult leader and Mark talks to the uh, the lady in the cult, like the teenage girl who's a member of the yeah. cult. And then the very, very pissed off cult leader flashes the sign three to the fourth member of the cult because he's just found out that there were only three attacks. Yes, he's just found yeah, out. Dave just revealed that there wasn't a fourth attack and they didn't all actually do it. Yeah. Now, understandably, this kid tries to run off back to the farm where he lives to avoid being seen. Uh, yeah, and apparently there was a big rave on the night that there's a big rave on the night of the stabbing. So it's like nobody remembers who was at the rave and nobody has an alibi. So it's like kind of like they're very much hit a dead end. Yeah. Nobody has an alibi or everybody has an alibi. Exactly. All at the rave. Because <laughs> everybody says they were at the rave. And how the hell would you know? Because everybody was high. Yeah. It's a pretty good <laughs> alibi. Yeah. All right. Oh, we find out the constable got blown up, died that afternoon. So everyone's really messed up. Uh, yeah. Dave goes to his daughter's uh, birthday party. Which is a nice scene of him being surrounded by children in a loud situation. And he can't cope. Nope, can't cope at all. <laughs> and yet the new husband's doing fine. Well, yes. Because he's great with kids. Yes. Dave, well... Hopefully we'll get a little more of Dave's backstory. Yeah, fingers as crossed. As we go forward, you know, but no, he's not really good with kids. He's not, you know, I mean, the very fact that you choose these kinds of jobs yeah. should be an indication that you're not going to function well in regular families. No. Unless you are really, 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 good really. Good at disassociating and compartmentalizing. Yes. Good at yeah. it. You know, um, but almost nobody is. I mean, all you have to do is read some of these biographies and the rest of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, and in the days before divorce, you know, was easy. Oh, yeah. Uh, it must have been hell. It must have been hell, particularly because it was mostly men who were in these jobs. Oh, yeah. And uh, when women get into them and have to be secret, it gets even more weird. Yeah. Anyway, never mind. So the uh, cult comes to... not doing well. Yeah. He's the just cult, getting first. Yeah. And the cult comes to, you know, uh, talk to him about the fact that he uh, did not actually stab a horse. 
right? Well, and they want to exact gets, some punishment. No, because he gets the he gets a computer image. Oh yeah, they say three um, over and over and over again from them. Three, three, three. Yeah, three. and then they but they actually like he tries to run off and they're waiting for him, right? Oh my god! And, and we do this scene of that of him, of the cult leader. You know, doing the cult leader thing of like mocking him and talking about his worthlessness and just trying to destroy his, you know, destroy his self-image. Well, I was afraid they were going to kill him. It really looks like they're going to kill him. And for a while, you think they do. Yeah. You know, it it, it is. I mean, I, I sat there and I thought, are they crazy enough? I mean, they're all they're all on this LSD and they've got this guy who's telling them, well, the world isn't is worthless. There is nothing yep. here. There's, there's nothing. It's, it's, it's a scary thing. Yeah. So let's nothing do matters. So, you know, let's do some damage. Yeah. It's, it's, it is a bleak episode. It's a bleak episode. I'm yeah. not saying people, there aren't people like this, but oh. Oh my God. Of course there are. Yeah. And then uh, just the, like the extra detail though, that he lives at a pig farm. Yeah. Just to, you know, because again, the brutality of livestock treatment, it's like, it's, it's quite a good theme. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like the episode, again, they got the fundamentals down, but it's weird that this show is just so unpleasant that it's just but, difficult to get on board with individual episodes of it. You know, so you don't have Tony fun, Hill have there. <laughs> you don't have Tony Hill there to be likable. To be fun, you know? Because nobody is likable, really. No, uh, nobody's likable. Well, maybe Susan. I think Susan's a little likable, but it's not like we have a ton of her. No, no, no. Mark isn't likable. Jonathan isn't likable. We don't know enough about the captain. The the, the commander, yeah. The commander. Yeah, exactly. You and know, Dave's, so. Dave's a mess. And Dave's a mess. Because he's found out his wife is pregnant. And of course, she's still not telling him. Yep, still hasn't told him. And he wants to know whether there's still a... I mean, at the birthday party, well, is there still a chance for us? I know. She just oh. kind of, you know, and just going... I would feel sorrier for him, except I don't know him well enough to feel sorry yeah. for him. Yeah. Because he seems to be... In the first episode, he was so efficient. Yeah. And, and now he's so, crumbling. And now he's crumbling. And I'm not sure exactly is it is it the pregnancy? Is it almost killing that guy? Hanks in the first episode, yeah. In the first episode, is it is it allowing the woman to kill herself? He's doing making too many of these um singular decisions that he maybe he shouldn't be making. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I am not, um, overly, yeah, you, that's, it's, you just can't get attached, you know, and then these kids are driving you crazy, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, this, this whole, yeah, it's, um, yep. So uh, the next day. Uh, the next day, Cyril, Dave's buddy, who has, you know, mental issues, has dropped by talking about red and green. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, okay, wonder what that means. 
Uh, then we get back to the school and we find out that the solution they've used, since they weren't able to identify anybody, is to make it so every single student has been assigned a password and log into the computers so they can no longer get on the website anonymously. Uh-huh. Yeah, so they're in real trouble if they want to, like, they literally can't. And yet, uh, right, so one of the guys panics and goes to the girl and says, we can't get the next message anymore. And she says, we still do the meeting. Because, you know, she's confident that the leader will figure it out. Yes. Then we head over to the uh, the one who's been kicked out of the cult. His He's disappeared. Maybe he's dead. His mother is understandably freaking out. Yep. As they search the place. And again, at this moment, you're watching the show and you're like, I think they killed that kid. And you see yeah. dogs searching the woods and you're like, oh my God. Yeah, it's it's terrifying. But she's uh, able to, right, they are able to give the names of some people, no last names, who he hung out with. Which is at least a step in the right direction. All right. I know. I know. This episode. This is a, this is one that I. Yep. I, I mean, you're going to be doing the storyline because I was going I don't even remember how it ends. I, I, I mean, I know that. Well, yes, go on. Yeah, you know, it is, it is, it is the story, the storyline that follows with Jonathan, is the one that sticks in my head. Oh yeah, that's well, it's the most important part of the episode. Yes, it is the most important part of the episode, and it is so. Um, not just depressing. I mean, we've already known that Jonathan, right from the beginning, right? I mean, that's how he was in the first episode. Yeah. Was that he, you know, he wanted to be an old style cop still. Mm-hmm. He wanted to go in and bang heads. And he wanted to, you know, do oh, yeah. all those things. And, and uh, so Mark kind of, is a follower and kind of goes along with him. Absolutely. But Mark doesn't like it. No. So, you know. I... So then we get the big uh, news, which is the mother has a huge help because we found out about a girl named Mo or possibly Maureen. Yeah. Uh, right. And that they had acts and the from the kids, she knew that they had access to LSD. So they yeah. go through the records of the school. They found a girl who's named Flo Morrison, perfect Mo. And one of the kids, Jack, right, had previously been accused of spiking someone's uh, drink with LSD and it, that led to them being hospitalized. So now they have two really good leads. But at the same time, the cult is going out and preparing to murder murder people because, of course, that's the next. That's the next. That has to be the next escalation. I mean, and now it's just race against time type situation. And meanwhile, as they rush to the part of town where these kids are, uh, Jonathan is driving and Dave is riding with him. And Jonathan is driving terribly. Yes. And freaking out and talking about kids and how it's like, these kids are acting out and these kids are turning violent because we failed them. Yeah. Right. And just talking about children has weird sympathy 
for these, <clears throat> excuse me, honestly weird sympathy and blaming himself for this. And then uh, Dave makes him stop the car and yeah. we find out what's going on. Yeah. Oof. So the baby is basically born. Not born. Uh, problem during delivery. Now, lack not. of oxygen, brain dead. No, the baby's not brain dead. Well, the baby's the, alive. Yes, but brain dead. Like yes. just enough mental there to keep breathing, but that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Exactly. So it, it can keep still... breathing and it can keep growing, but there will never be any consciousness. No, and the baby and and then he then the big reveal comes and he says, and she's never gonna know what I did. Yeah. And, and then that's he reveals that out. he killed Ronald because he couldn't see, because he had a kid on the way and he saw this guy murdering children and he couldn't let him get away with it. So he killed Hanks. Yep. And by the way, this, uh, like, this was an epidemic in England for like 30 years for some who the F knows why reason. I don't know the origin of it. I was watching a thing about um, healthcare in the UK, but uh, and like the, how impossible it is for trans people to get healthcare. And the anecdote they used to talk about healthcare in the UK was this terrifying story that back in like the late 80s, early 90s, the National Board of Obstetricians in the UK decided we shouldn't be doing C-sections. So no matter how difficult a birth was, they'd just be like, get in there with forceps and get in there with gloves and just figure it out. We shouldn't be doing C-sections. And it led to a huge increase in both child mortality, maternal mortality, and specifically instances like this where kids were deprived of oxygen and got permanent uh, brain damage. Well, I'll because... tell you why. Oh, why? Because, because regular births are cheaper than C-sections. <laughs> yeah, I guess. And this was Margaret Thatcher's England. Yeah, it makes sense. And then even though it stopped being Margaret Thatcher, the obstetrician just kept it as policy. And so it was like, 30 years of terrible yeah, maternal well, results. Remember that once once you put these people in power. Yeah. Right. Their policies you, stay. That they will they will still keep going with this because usually to get someone to do make that kind of a decision, they're already in the mode that cost saving is more important than people's lives. Yeah. And they're not going to change that when the government changes. And until yeah, you're right, the government, because they've, they, you're right, they've infected these groups with the wrong people. With the wrong people. I mean, that's what's going to, that's what's happening in the U.S. You get, like, God only knows with these things with Trump, yeah. if, if they go before judges that he put in place. And it's not because he, it's not because the judges owe him. It's because they are judges with his particular point of view. Well, not his, the Federalist Society's point of view. The he doesn't Federalist have a point Society's of view, but yeah. Yeah. point of view, in which case, and they're there for a long time, and yeah, they can exactly. do damage long after Trump is gone. Mm -hmm. They're still doing damage. So, yeah, I mean, that's what, that's, but I didn't actually know that Yeah. Um, piece of information. It's terrifying. What a stupid decision to make. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, but then again, they used to go through this. There are too many C-sections and people are having C-sections because it's less painful. 
And I'm going, okay, so you all have money for plastic surgery because you're going to have a huge scar. And there goes the bikini. <laughs> if that's what you're concerned about, right? Uh, you're going to have a, you know, if pain, yeah. well, I guess, mm. why not? You know, because you're not, not everybody's going to have a plastic surgery surgeon doing their C-section. So yeah. it is, it's, um, yeah. So anyway, so Jonathan right. killed Ronald Hanks. Hanks. But on the upside, they managed to catch the kids and they managed to find the one who ran off when he calls his mother for help. Yes. So, whew. thank God. He managed yeah. to get away. <laughs> oh. Now, they don't catch the kids before they've stabbed some people to death. Yep. Oh. So, that's a rough scene. And the key part is. They've been brutally stabbed. These homeless guys have been brutally stabbed to death. And the ME's like, yeah, these are really specific patterns of stabbing that they were instructed to do. I've seen this before. Yep. Ten years ago, someone stabbed homeless people exactly this no. same way. No, no. Oh, not homeless people. Back Killed then, yes. pimps. Pimps this exact same way. It was way. a woman. These are the homeless people. Yeah. These are the homeless people. She, it's a Killed woman, pimps. she was, and she went around killing pimps. Mm -hmm. And then you're going, oh, so they've now found yep. the real lead. And yeah, so they this is the lead that's going to get the lead that's going to get them there. Yeah. And they, because they still have to find out who set this up. Yeah. They need to know who is running the website. You've got these, these three who have been involved in killing homeless people yep. of course they're all stoned when they're doing it oh yeah um certainly the the girl when she finally comes down and they tell her what she did mm -hmm. is be, beside herself yep but the bully couldn't care less no he still <laughs> rationalizes that these people have no value yeah. Because they were living in boxes. And, he, and as they say to him, you know, prison cells a box and that's where you're going to be living the rest of your life. And he said, so what's the difference? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, all I'm life is that way. And I'm like, okay, great to know. Great to know. Prison it is. Prison um, it is. Yeah. But yeah, so they have to go and talk to the woman in prison. Now, I, that part of it, I remember. Right? Yeah. And she's reluctant. Yeah, she doesn't want to help. Initially, she, what are you going to do for me? I'm not going to be getting out. Yeah. Um, but didn't you have fans? You know you've had fans. And she's wearing a wedding ring. Yeah. And there was this one guy. And she finally, and they he explains about the kids. Yeah. And she finally relents. But, I, it, you know, and is going to give them all the information she has. She did have this one guy who followed her all through the trial and actually was willing to marry her, mm -hmm. even though he didn't even meet her particularly yep. or anything like that. But it would give her something, right? Yeah. And give him something. So um, she she throws all of... I did like the scene where she throws all of her letters out. All of her letters, all of these stuff that she had. Yeah. She said, here, 
Go nuts. Go nuts. <laughs> you know, so they're going to have to pick up all that stuff. But yeah, so they do. And while they start looking through that, Dave yeah. goes to see Jonathan. Yes. And confront him with the fact that, you know, we've got to do something about it. And you should do something about it, Jonathan. Yeah, you you've got to confess. Yeah. He tells him that he has to confess because it's the only way he'll ever, like, uh, he'll ever, you know, survive. Yeah. And Dave says that, yeah, I, I know where you're coming from because I went there to kill him and you just already done it. Yeah. Right? But I would have confessed the next day and maybe that's true, maybe it's not. We don't know. No, because Dave, Dave, we already know Dave has a habit of lying sometimes to people. Yes, he does. Get them to tell him things. Yeah. But the key part is, he's like, uh, he goes and he gets the bullets from the gun he used to kill Ronald. Because again, he left the gun in the house because he was trying to make it look like a suicide. Yeah. But he still has the, the bullets he used, the bullets he bought to put in that gun. And he gives all the remaining bullets to Dave just as the cops come in. And we Dave said he would have turned himself in but when the cops come in and Jonathan says he didn't have any other guns, uh, Dave doesn't hand over the bullets and doesn't rat him out. Yeah, I know. I found that very strange. Yeah. You know, when I saw it, what do you mean? You know? It's very odd, isn't it? Yes, it was very odd. Particularly since Dave does go. I guess yeah. maybe maybe he's giving Jonathan a chance to turn himself in. Yeah. But he's That's already told his boss about the conversation. That's yeah. why they show up to search Jonathan's place. Yeah. And in fact, he carries the only evidence against Jonathan out. Yeah. So it does make you wonder whether he would have actually turned himself in. You know? The very fact that he covers for Jonathan does make you wonder whether he real would have turned yeah. himself in. But he shouldn't, but then he shouldn't have told on Jonathan. Right. Exactly. Like, that's the thing, Dave. <laughs> is an unbelievably frustrating and conflicted character. Because he tells on him one night, and then the next day he covers for him. And the covering doesn't really do any good. Yeah. I mean, it's no. not going to do any good to cover for him after the fact. Mm -hmm. it, like, as I said, I found parts of this rather confusing yeah absolutely so yes anyways strange. so they did so that's going on they get the woman out of prison she says well you know i can get him to meet me yeah and so they it turns out they lay out a false story news story that she has escaped mm -hmm. while in police custody yeah and, and she, she has sends escaped. a message to him and yes. gives him a cell phone number to call. Yeah. If he really does love her and he does really want to help, call this number and you can help me. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, then we get to the train station. Yeah, and you got to remember, and I, I liked this show's depiction yes. of, well, this is what serial killer obsessives are like. Yeah. Uh, you know... Oh, there is there is the great scene though before you get to the train station where they make the kids talk to her. Yeah. And she demystifies everything that this pathetic guy is doing. 
and everything like that caused her to commit her crimes. Yes. Right. And I honestly don't know why the kid who ran away has to be there because I think he already gets it. He already ran away. He ran away. He didn't even kill the horse. No, he didn't even attack a horse. I think you can leave her, her, her sorry, him out of this one. But anyway, the point is they give them that wonderful speech and it's like how this isn't about religion. This isn't about like the mysteries of ancient times and labyrinths, something. The the game was named after the club she used to strip at. You know? Yeah. It's such a nice touch. And that, like this yeah, tearing away all of their that, illusions. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the boss goes to see Jonathan and says, we can't prove anything against you, but you're fired. Yeah. Right? We can't have you on the team. You're fired, but you're not going to be charged with anything. Oof. I, I, yes. Yes. Yeah. That's not going to sit because Jonathan is hit the guilt mm-hmm. that he feels over killing Ronald Hinks. And this is. Yeah. Okay. The guilt he feels over killing Jonathan Hinks. I'm Ronald Hinks. Mm-hmm. Is eating has been eating him alive. Yeah. Even before his daughter was born. Yep, it already was. It was already eating him alive. And mm-hmm. I mean, and and Dave goes to Mark and says, come on, you've got to tell me. Yeah. You know, well, and no, Mark and I mean, is going, everything is just fine with Jonathan. Jonathan is just fine. And then Dave goes, yeah, well, why did you ask for reassignment? A transfer. Yep. A transfer. You're afraid of him. Well, no, and what I loved about the scene is it starts literally with Susan and Mark trying to attack Dave yeah. for betraying Jonathan, for yeah. betraying cops are supposed to cover for cops when they do illegal stuff. That is that is their message. When a cop does something illegal, yeah. you're supposed to cover up for him if you're a cop. And Dave says that, like, this is, you know, not co- like uh, telling on... Uh, telling on Jonathan is one of the things he's most ashamed of in his life. So even he believes this cops are supposed to cover for cops. And that's when he brings up, and then he accuses Mark of like, you knew Jonathan, you suspected Jonathan did this. You're afraid of him. You tried to get a thing. Why, you know, so don't tell me that I'm the bad guy here. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good scene. And it really gets into the moral ambiguity of cops. Because again, they're blasely talking about the fact that like two of them think they should have covered up for a, he should have covered for a cop that killed a suspect. And he did because Jonathan would be in jail right now. They don't know it, but Jonathan would be in jail right now if Dave hadn't, uh, you know, kept the bullets to himself. Kept the bullets. And mm-hmm. yeah, so they, I mean, and Dave is, he's in, he's in a weird place too. Oh, absolutely. Why he, but I guess he figured he didn't want Jonathan to go to jail. No. Because he had to know what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And yet he also knows that if Jonathan had just not done it, Hinks would still be dead and nobody would have a clue who did it. Yeah, because we don't believe Dave would have turned himself in. Oh, Dave wouldn't have turned himself in and Dave would never have 
been completely destroyed by it the way Jonathan was. No, he wouldn't have felt guilty. He didn't, no. you know, he would not have. That's not part of the job he was doing before he came to this. Mm -hmm. You know, he And that's just, the key part. Yeah. It, it it is weird, you know. He's he definitely does believe that he can be a law unto himself. Oh yeah. But that other people shouldn't do it, particularly not if they're going to feel guilty about it <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> If you don't have the stomach for it, you shouldn't be taking the law into your own hands. Yes. Seems to be, you know, Dave Cregan's raison d'etre. Yeah, you know. Which is a oh. weird as hell one. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, all right. And so, the daughter is going to, they figure that the daughter. Oh, yeah, that's the key line. Could live she could live as long as 25 years. Yeah, 21 years, 25 years. It's 20, no, 25 years is what they give as key, being key because of what yeah, happens right. next. So, yeah, um, yeah uh, right. And uh, so they arrange for the guy to meet her at the train station. And we get this absolutely fantastic scene where, you know, everybody's in disguise trying to watch for him. And she recognizes him immediately. Because, again, she knows what Johns are like. Yes. She knows the wrapped up in this obsession, this wrapped up with shame, this inability to look you straight in the eye. She knows a John when she sees him. Yep. And so, and they meet eyes and he decides he can't do it. And we get, honestly, I think my favorite scene of the episode where she in her heels yeah, right, running actually out. comes out and chases him down. <laughs> because like the thing you. is, she honestly believed by killing these pimps that she was making the world a better place because yes. of all the crap she had gone through. Yes. And so he has perverted Her. this thing, this thing that she did that she feels no shame about. No, she feels, and guys. as she says, this is why she will never get parole. Yeah, because she doesn't she feel remorse. Yeah, no. she refuses to apologize. She refuses to feel remorse. And he was using it to destroy children. Yes. Right? And so her her history, her background, her story was being used. So she has nothing but disgust and contempt for this guy. <laughs> it was, I mean, the ending of it was good. Oh, yeah. But and the problem is, they don't have any evidence. He doesn't, con like, the plan was to have her show up, right? Have her yeah. talk to him and record him confessing. Yeah. But he fled immediately. And they don't have any evidence because the kids never talk to him. And no. maybe they're going to be able to prove that he paid for this, but they couldn't prove Ronald Hinks paid for that room. No. You know, they they might not be able to prove he's the guy behind Amathus. Yep. And then we cut to Jonathan uh, coming in for his last day and he packs up his stuff and he's turned in his gun and badge. And he, you know... And this is where he tells them that she could live 25 years. His daughter could live a non-existence for up to 25 years. And then he hugs Mark's Mark, and then he walks off. And then we cut to everybody sprinting down the hallway of the police building. Because when he hugged Mark, he stole Mark's gun, and they discovered that one minute later. And boom, he's in the cell with Amathus pointing the gun at his head. And he says to them, look, I go to jail 25 years or I spend 25 years, you know, standing over my comatose, never a person daughter 
it's it's jail all the same. So I might as well make the world a better place. Yeah. Ooh. And then Dave, of course, puts a gun to his head and says, I'll kill you if you kill that man. Or I'll, I'll shoot you before you can kill that man. And Jonathan doesn't believe for a second Dave will do it. Nope. And Jonathan is right. Because he shoots the guy in the head and just drops the gun and turns himself in. And Dave doesn't do a thing. Jesus, this episode. Who's that? Oh my God. And I think that's what's keeping you from really like, like. Attaching yourself to anybody. Yeah. It is so relentlessly bleak. And I really think you need that extra level of charisma and celebrity to get you to sign off on a character's actions when their actions are this bad. Because, like, the end of the episode is them, you know, uh, getting ticked off by their boss for screwing this up so thoroughly. But before we get there, we've got Dave just standing there looking at the bullets and knowing he could have kept this from happening. Yeah. Like, he could have stopped this. And he didn't. However, oh. we don't feel sorry for Amathus. No, of course not. We're fine <laughs> with him dying. That's not the point. No, I know that's not the point. But it's, yeah. He looks yeah. at the bullets. He knows he could have stopped it. He should mm-hmm. have done something. Because Jonathan would not have gone to jail for 25 years for killing Ronald Hanks. Yep. They would have worked something out. They would have they would have done a, a a sectioning of him for a couple of years in a mental institution. They would have figured out. Then he was under out. stress because of the baby and the birth and the all yeah. of those sorts of things. You know, I mean it would have been, you know, there would have been a stress level thing. And, yeah. you know, if Dave had just handed in the bullets, but mm-hmm. he didn't. So well, no, and I mean, and the boss is ticked off because he's sure these guys knew that Jonathan did it and they covered for him and he is pissed. Yeah. So he takes over. Yep. He says, I'm going to be running the team hands on from now on. Yeah. Like, See, obviously, you get results. We can't shut this team down, but I'll be running it hands on. And uh, that's the last thing that happens in the season. <laughs> Oh my God, this episode. It's just unrelenting. Yeah. It was. It was. It's why, you know, I just, you know, I have so many other rotten things going, like that I'm reading and stuff like that. And then I just go, and then this was, yeah, unrelenting, partly because there's nobody. No. Just nobody. Like the thing about da- uh, the thing about you know Tony Hill is he's always trying to understand people and he's always trying to do the best for everybody yeah. because especially the killers because yeah. he needs to understand the killers he yeah. needs to know where they're coming from he needs to know what make their makes their heads work because then he'll understand himself and then he'll be able to stop this from happening again yeah. Whereas Dave is just a bad guy. Oh yeah, you know he was he was he was a hitman for the government. He was a hitman oh. for the government. He's just a bad dude. You know, it's sort of like. And, and I'm not saying it's not interesting, but 
like we haven't got enough into his head. Like, cause Tony, right from that first episode, you are so much in Tony's head. And yeah. he's so weird, and everyone reacts honestly to how weird he is. Right? But that moment, right at the start, where he tries to understand, where he lies down in the dirt yeah. to try and picture <laughs> what it was like being the victim of this person. Yeah. Being tortured. Right, where he is putting himself in the shoes of the victim so we can understand what did the killer see in me that made them focus. And that he comes to the conclusion that she just needs to be dominated. Yeah. Oh, it's such a good episode. Honestly, my biggest complaint about Wire in the Blood, we've got a bunch is, I wish we had had more with him and Angelica. Yeah, that was... I wish she had come back. I agree. But I think that would have been smart, and I'm sad she never did. Because she maybe, dies in the book. Yeah. So there's no guidance. But that would have been very interesting. Yeah, because, it, well, there was, so, there was so much. No, there's so, so much other fire. stuff to get through. And, I mean, they do that interesting storyline with that woman who murdered all the kids. Was, and they're trying to find where they're buried. Yeah. And, and I, that is that is very interesting, too. Yes. Well, now we're talking wire in the blood instead. Well, for obvious reasons, I think. Well, for obvious reasons, and it is um, it isn't just Cracker. It is there have to be shows that we um, it, it because the storylines are interesting. Even though I hated this one, it's yeah. not like. There's nothing wrong with it from a writing perspective. No. Like, I it can't. just, I think it's the, I mean, I don't think we have to look farther than the unrelenting bleakness of it. Yes. And so we get. It is to, so torturous to watch. So, so the first one in season two, scalping. I know this is going to be a ride. And then the second one, war relief. Oh my God. See what so I'm the, saying? Okay. The third one. What yeah. price a child? Yeah, like one of them I remember being like about sex trafficking. It's oh, it's going to be rough. Know. We're going to have a bad next week and a half. <laughs> oh my God. And the thing is, I remember what the last episode is about. The three-parter. I remember very well what that one was about. And it is, um, it's the one where Andy Serkis is in it. And it is, I'm not going to spoil it if you don't remember it, but... If you think you've seen Bleak, I can tell you the plots of two upcoming episodes, right? And if you think you've seen Bleak, you ain't seen nothing yet. Yeah, we we, we don't have any questions about why this show ended. Didn't go on, yeah. Yes. It, like, you, and the thing is, you watch it, and I get that you watch Robson Green, and you're watching, you can tell it on this show, I'm watching a TV star. But he does, like, whatever quality you need to get past, what a, what a horrible guy this person is. <laughs> it's just not there. He doesn't have, you know, whatever, oh God, how am I blanking on this name? Brian Cranston has. Yeah. Right? How, like, how you can, like, you can get over in the moment what a monster Walter White is. Yes. Right? Because of how compelling 
Brian Cranston is. Yeah. Whereas this guy is such a cipher. And, and again, funny. maybe maybe if he had more character scenes to play, maybe if they let us into Dave's head the way they let us more into Tony Hill's head. Yeah, but remember, Tony Hill is the brainchild of Val McDarmard. Darmard, yeah. And this is out of the head of Paul Abbott. <laughs> Paul Abbott, again, who we know is being famous for not being very good at writing episodes of Cracker. Right, and... Because remember, this is the same guy. Am I, am I wrong here? Is this the same guy who wrote the terrible cult episode of Cracker? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. What the hell was that episode? Yeah. I'll say this is a better cult episode than the cult episode of Cracker. Yeah, he learned something. He did. <laughs> I think no, and I, I, I think I don't know if there's somebody else who might have played Dave Cregan better. Yeah. Than Robson Green because we this is before Wire in the Blood, and he yeah. comes into his own in Wire in the Blood. Mm-hmm. Um. This is a prequel almost to that. He's not the in same a sense. Character. He's not the same character, but it's this. It's figuring out this persona. Yes, and it is. It it's. I think it's. Well, I guess Paul Abbott just wanted it to be bleak. Well, and I think part of what <laughs> makes what makes Tony Hill so much more relatable is he is every bit as removed from people yeah. as Dave is. Yeah. Yes, they're both equally removed from people, but like Tony Hill understands that like that's on him. Yeah. Like that he's part of the problem and Dave doesn't seem to. There is a self-awareness to Tony Hill yeah. that helps you be on his side. I guess that's it. And I think that's a big part of it. And Dave is probably a sociopath. I would not be surprised to call, to refer to him that way. You know, I mean, it it means he's functioning within. He's found system. a he's found a place in society where he is useful as a sociopath, yes. where his skills are indeed celebrated as a sociopath. Yes, but he probably a sociopath. I would think. Yeah, like he, I I would agree with your assessment of him that it that does feel like a fair description of the man, and and it is probably. And the only thing that matters, like the only thing that really seems to affect him is his wife. Yeah. And the children. And it's only because it's quite clear, right? That his wife is happier with the new man. It's quite clear that his children have a more stable environment with the new man. Yep. And but he gets really, really upset. And maybe his parents aren't alive anymore. Yeah. And he goes and has to talk to his wife, his ex-wife. Yep. I tell you, the man is the, the, the second husband is a saint. Clearly. Clearly. Because Tony just shows up when he feels like it. And yep. the man doesn't mind. Because he needs to be comforted. Because yeah. he has no support system. Not like he's going to go to a therapist. His entire support system is his ex-wife, who's remarried, and literally a mental patient. You know? Who speaks in riddles. Yes. Yeah. 
Like, this is his support system. No wonder he's not doing well. Yeah, so he, but he functions and maybe he functioned much better in his previous job. Yeah. Where it was clear, like here, maybe that's what's happening is that he's come from, as you say, being a hitman for the government. Mm-hmm. The government tells you to do it's like the James Bond character. Yeah, you get pointed at a thing and you go do that thing. And you go do that, or Callan, you go yeah. do that thing, and that's it. And um, you have sanction to do it, and it's mm-hmm. fine. Here, he doesn't have the same the sanction action. anymore. Yeah, and he yet, is adrift. He's so he's more adrift. Yeah, and he probably was very, very removed from his wife. I think. And that's why she kicked him out. Divorced him, yeah. And because I'm sure he pulled that I can't bring my job home stuff, which you shouldn't if you're a murderer for the government. But it's like he allowed it to distance himself from his family. Oh yes, well yes, because well he doesn't really care about all that much. No. And here, I guess in these three episodes, if we were to say anything about Dave's character, it's that he is sort of out of place and i think it might have been oh it's not as clear it's only when we start talking about it that it becomes clearer that he's out of place in this world in this new world that he is now inhabiting um Mm -hmm. that there are decisions that are not being made for him and there are things that He's functioning to for himself as if he was still in the old job. Yeah. So he, instead of, you know, so, I mean, because basically he would have killed Hanks. Oh, he yeah. certainly is responsible for the death of, even though she committed suicide. 100% responsible for her death. Her death. And, and he did it knowingly. Yes. Yes. He was more than willing to do it. And has and he has no guilt from any of this. Nope. You know, um, he doesn't feel. And the thing with Jonathan is Jonathan should have turned himself in. Yeah. And, and things would have gone a lot better for him. He could have dealt then with his guilt. But yeah, I and- think that and, and the reason Dave doesn't understand that he should have handed in the bullets is because he doesn't understand about how Jonathan is feeling about this daughter who was born brain dead. Yeah. Like he can't understand that that itself is a prison. Because that's what we're talking about this whole episode. It's not just... Oh, yeah. It's all of these characters. I mean, it's what the entire episode is about, is all of these characters being trapped in different kinds of prisons. Yeah, being trapped in different kinds of prisons. Mm -hmm. So it is... um, Anytime you can't walk away from something, I mean, I'm not going to say that this is the, right, I'm not going to say this is true, but the worldview the show is espousing is that any time you can't walk away from something, you are in a prison. Yes. Right. I'm not saying I agree with that. I'm saying that is what the show is saying. And that is the worldview espoused by the killers, except that's also what Dave seems to think. And it's definitely what Jonathan thinks. Yes. And he says there's no, because he he comes out and says 100% clearly, there is no difference from being a guy 
who has to look after a brain dead child for 25 years than being the guy who's in prison. It's all and, the same. And it's because the same he couldn't thing walk away. And that the mini cult leader. Yeah, it's yes. the same thing he's saying. Yeah. About what's the difference between the box I'm in now, the box that society has put an underclass kid in, and being in prison. Like, what's the difference? Yeah. So, yeah, the killer and the, <laughs> the heroes are having the exact same worldview and you're wondering why we didn't respond well to this hour the hour and a half of television <laughs> yeah I, there is a oh. theme running through the whole thing yeah it's everything very, is a prison yeah, yeah. and like dave again his family his need to never give up on his family is a prison and yeah it's it's a mess yes his family can and and she was right in the last episode to say Yes, your family doesn't really need you anymore. I'm no. sure that his daughter would be sad if he died. Oh, yeah. And his wife would be sad. His ex-wife would be sad if he died. But but they don't need him. No. Yeah. No, to exist. And so therefore, it, it's... He doesn't know what he's for anymore. Yeah. Yeah, because he's like, biggest regrets includes moving out of a house I bought for my family. Jesus, Dave. <laughs> Getting real possessive there in an interesting way. That's an interesting, you know, like window into you, how you view the world. <laughs> Oof. All right. So uh, that's it for season one. We're going to be back next week with the first episode of season two, Scalped. Yes. Uh, or Scalping or whatever it's called. Oh. Uh, like I said, we're not taking a break between season one and season two. In case yeah. you're wondering what's uh, going to come next after this. I think I'm going to cheer Dr. Redman up by convincing her to watch Patriot. So that should be fun. Uh, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> uh, so if you want to get an early start on that, if you're jumping ahead, uh, feel free to do that. Um, uh, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's any profiling related fiction you'd like us to check out, drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Uh, if you are listening to this on an app or podcatcher please be sure to rate and review it that's how people find the show we're going to see you back here uh next time for the season two episode of one of wire in the blood scalped or scalping you checked i've forgotten scalped, scalped thank you scalped, i keep telling you scalped. i know and it keeps going out of my head it's terrible i i'm like the people i'm like the ai making subtitles for this episode of television i just can't <laughs> hear it for some reason uh, but I'll be back here for that. Uh, so we'll see you back here for that. But until then, I'll say that's right. Au revoir. And have a good week. <laughs>